This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach, heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and sometimes a name comes up over and over again, and I know that I have to invite this person onto our show. Whenever this happens, typically the person is inspirational, purpose-driven, and outward-focused, and often they possess many of the qualities of an angelic human being. They're benevolent and kind, and they help make the world a better place. Such is the case with my first guest today. Also, later on in the show, you're in for another real treat. We're going to have someone on the program who is a real star, and I've wanted to have her on the show for a long time as well. Later on, you'll meet the super talented singer-songwriter Asia. At only 18 years old, not only is her career off to a spectacular start, but she's also just released a new hit single that I'm obsessed with called Bad Game of Telephone, and I can't wait to share her song in our interview with you later on in the program. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about our incredible first guest, Audrey Guth. Audrey is a mother of four, a breast cancer survivor, and the founder of the award-winning Diamond Personnel, a nanny placement agency. After meeting other moms with cancer struggling to find childcare while they went to appointments and tried to get the rest they needed, Audrey saw a big gap in health and social services and decided to find a solution herself. The result is the Nanny Angel Network, where Audrey currently volunteers her time as executive director. Audrey has been given international recognition for her leadership, both as an official CNN hero in 2014, and as a L'Oreal Paris Woman of Worth in 2017, both very auspicious awards. As she puts it, we have a vision of a world where parents in need no longer feel alone during cancer treatment, but are resilient, less stressed, and recover quickly. The Nanny Angel Network, which the shortened version for that is NAN, gives young kids excellent care at home, helps them feel less anxious, and gives them the chance to share their feelings in a safe environment. Together, we are working to create a reality where every parent with cancer gets the care they need for their children so they have enough time to take care of themselves. What a wonderful thing this is. Audrey Guth, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you so much, Judy. Who are you talking about? I'm listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> As I mentioned off the top, Audrey, so many people told me about you, including Susan Gordon. And I just knew I had to have you on the show. You're such an inspiration. Not only are you a wife, a mother of four, and a grandmother, but you're also an entrepreneur. And you've described yourself as a visionary. Can you tell us what you mean when you say this word visionary? Wow, that's a big question, Judy, because visionary encompasses so much. But I think visionary is when you are faced with a problem, you automatically see the solution, not the obstacles. There are people who look at the problem and they automatically go to, well, this isn't going to happen and this is a problem. I don't see obstacles. I can visualize the solution and sometimes that gets me in trouble because I don't see the obstacles, but it's worked so far. It sure has. You're also, and what's tremendous about you is you're also a breast cancer survivor. And instead of becoming self-focused, you actually did the opposite. And just before I interviewed, I have to tell you that I kept thinking, I've heard this name, Nanny Angel Network, before, and I realized I heard it from a very good friend of mine named Celia, who I know has done some beautiful work with you, and I know she gets a lot of satisfaction out of it and feels very fulfilled doing it. And this is what Celia said about you. I think Audrey is really amazing. And she described how you were in a hospital waiting room when you were undergoing cancer treatment, and you saw another mother who also had cancer, and she was with a small child, maybe only two years old, and the mother had no child care and no one to help her. And knowing yourself how tiring this all was, you just wanted to help. 
I think you had somewhat of an epiphany that day. And I think it happened many times, but there was one day that resonated for you. Can you tell us more? Yes, that was really my big aha moment. You're sitting in Princess Margaret amongst so many people, scary with bottles hanging and people without hair. And I saw this little girl sitting on the lap of her mom, using her as a jungle gym, climbing up and down. And she reached up and she pulled the scarf off Mm. her bald head. And I saw these tears rolling down her sunken cheeks. And she was so frail. And, And I have a nanny agency. I'm thinking... Yes, I help professional women who need help at home, but this woman really, really does need help because when you have a toddler, you there's no time off. You can't go home and rest. This is a, and I'm thinking what a privilege it is for me to be able to go home. My kids are older and be able to rest. So that really was the first aha moment. There were several along the way, but that was the first really big. I think I can help. Yes. So Celia is one of your leading volunteers. Can you tell us a little bit about Celia and what her impact has been on your organization? Celia is amazing. She supported a family who adores her. She's incredible. She actually won our Volunteer of the Year Award. And I wish I could clone her and have a thousand (laughs) Celia's because she's just incredible. Oh, that's so wonderful. Well, I have to say she's one of my oldest friends and that's so nice to hear because I know how deeply fulfilled she is by this work and how grateful she is to be doing this. So what a wonderful thing that you're doing, not just yourself, but helping other people achieve their bliss by giving back. It's really, truly amazing. Your Nanny Angel Network that you, it's your brainchild. It's so brilliant. Can you tell us how it all evolved? You had this thought, you had this aha moment, and then you actually turned this into a very beautiful, successful happening. How did it all evolve? Well, it really was therapy for me because while I was going through treatment, it gave me an opportunity to focus outwardly, not really think about what was happening to me. So it was very therapeutic in my ability to get through this and to focus on the needs of others. So that was really, really helpful. But it was, everything was kismet. My daughter who worked with me in the agency, she now owns the agency, received a phone call from a woman who needed a nanny. And she happened to be the marketing director for Rethink Breast Cancer. And Shauna Mm. said to her, you know, my mom has this idea of starting an organization to support women who have uh, young children and breast cancer. What do you think? And Allison said, well, we just got this grant from TELUS for the, remember the pink blackberries? Yes. Yes. We got a dollar of pink blackberry and they didn't (laughs) expect it to be so successful. And we have all this money and have her write a grant for uh, the booby innovation grant. Mm. I had not written a grant, but I said, okay, what do I have to lose? And I wrote a grant um, and they funded us our first year. And that's how we got off the ground. It started with the nannies that uh, I had placed through Diamond who wanted to give back. But really the only opportunities for them to volunteer were in old age homes. So they really loved having the opportunity to be with kids with what they love to do. And at that point, we were just really, my concept was respite for moms. We have come such a long way since then and have evolved as a program and understanding and what we're doing, but that's really how it started. What exactly is a nanny angel? Like, I just love that phrase. It's just, it's so evocative. Mm -hmm. What exactly is a nanny angel and what exactly do they do? So our angels are volunteers and they are all volunteers are incredible, incredible people who want to give back to the community, who want the connection. I think what we offer in a volunteer opportunity more than anything else is a connection to a family at the most vulnerable time of their lives, whether it's getting through an illness or a child grieving the loss of a parent and that surviving parent having to go through that year of grief and bereavement to be allowed to be in that family's home and to support Mm -hmm. that family is such a privilege. It's not something that many people get to do to have that Mm -hmm. relationship. So our volunteers who could be uh, students in various uh, helping professions and teaching or even um, retired teachers, nurses, principals, all kinds of people who've had childcare experience who want to stay involved. 
get mm-hmm. incredible training, training that mm-hmm. they would never get anywhere else in terms wow. of how to support people through grief and bereavement. And then they get this opportunity to connect, to be involved. And our volunteers, even after the families graduate from our program, they have lifelong relationships with these families and these kids. Do you provide the training at your agency? And what does that look like? Like, can you paint us a picture of what the training would look like? So all of our volunteers have first aid and CPR training, of course, and police clearances. But we give them something that is just not available anywhere else. And it's a full day of training through a woman. Her name is Andrea Warnick. She's the Children's Grief Network. Grief is loss of normalcy. It's not just death. You know, we can grieve over the loss of anything, Mm -hmm. a pet, a job, a house. It's, you know, grief is grief. So if a child is exposed to an illness, a long-term illness of a parent, they're grieving the loss of their normal life because their Mm -hmm. parent can't hug them if she's had a mastectomy or she can't take that child to the park, can't play. You know, even putting a snowsuit on is overwhelming for somebody who's going through cancer treatment. So being able to provide that normalcy is amazing. Mm -hmm. So we teach them about grief and the things to say to kids and how to answer those really difficult questions like, is my mom going to die? How do you answer that if a child asks, Uh if a six-year-old or an eight-year-old asks that question? It's a mystery. No one knows. Mm -hmm. Everyone dies. Every living thing dies. When? Mm -hmm someone dies is a mystery. Kids just need an answer. They need an answer. It doesn't have to, nobody knows really, right? That's true. That's true. That's a great answer. That's a great, great answer. And you provide a lot of services. Like it's gone, as you say, beyond just what it started off as. What does the Nanny Angel Network do exactly in terms of services now? You know, it's amazing, Judy. So through this training, looking back on the progression, I'll just tell you, one of the defining moments for us was when I got that call from CNN and I actually thought my family was punking me or my friends because we were in this little <laughs> program and you get a call from CNN and I'm thinking, yes, this is definitely a joke. And I actually didn't call her back. Oh. I want to just interrupt you for a second and tell the listeners that I have to congratulate you on becoming a CNN hero, which is pretty epic. And so you're telling us what transpired. What was it like having this auspicious honor of being on CNN as a CNN hero? Like, that's huge. So uh, it's incredible because they came and did the video and my video ran the weekend that the Malaysian jet disappeared. So we had worldwide exposure that weekend. And the most significant thing was the funding because donations came from all over the world. And that really was the pivotal moment for us in terms of growing the organization beyond this side hustle that I had with all of my businesses. And we were able to grow. So what happened at that point was we were growing, more moms were dying. We thought, here we are, respite for moms. What do we do with the kids We can't abandon these children. They've just lost their mom. So what do we do? So that's when we started the training with Andrea Warnick and her children's grief training. And she taught us so much stuff. But the first half of the session was about your own experience with grief and death and dying. And this was my second aha moment because I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I remember, and believe me, I blocked this because... It was such a negative experience for me and a painful childhood drama that my father had cancer when I was nine and died when I was 12. I'm the oldest of four children. No one talked about it. No one talked about it. I overheard from a teacher that my father had cancer, but it wasn't safe for me to talk about it. And then he died and it was over and we had no support. So all of a sudden I thought oh my gosh, I have the most incredible opportunity to help these children. And my real purpose is not, I mean, it's nice that we are doing this for the moms, but our real purpose is helping kids through this. So we really, we changed the whole program. We hired child life specialists. I don't know if you know what a child life specialist is. No, tell us. They are usually working in hospitals. It's a master's degree. And they are either educators or nurses who 
support children and help them build resilience in life challenging wow. situations. So we were one of the first to say, come into the community, help us with our kids in the community, not just in the hospital, preparing them for procedures, but help us get through this childhood trauma. So we built the Nanny Angel Network Program for Children, which is helping kids build strategies and coping skills to help them get through this. And every time life knocks them down, they'll have this arsenal of coping skills. That's incredible. I know from Celia the impact this can have on children and families that you serve, but can you give us an example, one that really stands out of the relief that this provides for families and the children of parents who are going through this? Don't answer that just yet. We're going to go on a short commercial break and we'll be right back in just a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. Hi, we are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, and I'm here with Audrey Guth from the Nanny Angel Network. And I was just asking you, Audrey, before the break, if you have a story of the wonderful relief that this can provide families. I have a great story for you, Judy, and this is um, really what keeps me going. I was in PetSmart seven years ago, and I'm reaching up for a bag of dog food, and there's a young woman next to me reaching up for a bag of dog food, and I'm helping her. She's looking at her daughter running up and down the aisle. She must have been about three, three or four, and mm-hmm. I notice she's bald. So mm-hmm. I know this is bold, okay? I know, but I said... Do you have cancer, by the way? Because I think I can help you. And she looked at me like uh, I was scared for this look because I thought she was going to tell me she had alopecia or something. But she actually said, yes, I have leukemia and my second bone marrow transplant has just failed. And I have no idea what I'm going to do with Emma, her daughter. And I said, don't worry, we can help you. We matched her with an amazing, amazing volunteer who is supporting their family. Our volunteers go in once a week for four hours to give the parents relief and uh, to deliver our coping strategies and help kids through this time. And weeks went by and I I called and I said, her name was Karen, I said uh, to her husband, Todd, how's Karen doing? And I said, can I talk to her? And he said, no, Audrey, she's too ill. She's on the couch. She can't come to the phone, but I want you to know she's at peace because Emma has bonded so beautifully with Megan, with her volunteer. She's really at peace. Um, Karen did die a few weeks later. We continue to support this family for a year, this little girl, Emma. Mm -hmm. Seven years later, this Mother's Day, I get a call. Hello. This is Todd. Do you remember me from PetSmart? And I said, of course I remember Todd. And he said, I want you to know that Mother's Day is really difficult for Emma and myself, but I want you to know, and I'm sending you her picture of this beautiful, well-adjusted child that you had so much impact. Mm -hmm. And she is this incredible kid because you were there for us during this really hard time. Oh my God. That's why we do what we do. Wow. What an incredible story. And what a wonderful thing for people to get involved in, people that have time, students, people even on this, uh, who listen to this station, who are in midlife and are looking for something to do. And it's only four hours a week. And it makes so much sense to make such a huge difference in someone's life and a family's life and children's lives and support this. It's incredible. A big part of your success, Audrey, is not being afraid to ask for what you need. I think you've always had that entrepreneurial spirit since you were a kid. 
And I know your first job was scooping ice cream at an ice cream parlor. How did you parlay that into starting this nanny placement agency? So I was always independent as a child. And I think going through the childhood trauma that I did and having to grow up very quickly at 12 when you lose a parent really positions you for, I need to take care of myself. So I always worked. I'm very driven, I think, and I know, and persistent. I actually did a degree and my original job was dietetics and nutrition. I was a public health nutritionist at the city of Toronto, Uh, lived in Tampa for a few years. My husband was transferred and uh, couldn't really find a job in my field. So I I opened up cookie stores and candy stores. I know it's completely (laughs) different. You can't beat them, join them. So so that was fun. It was a lot of fun. And then I came back to, we came back to Toronto four years later with two kids in tow. I did get a job back in my field um, in public health nutrition, but I couldn't find childcare. So I just decided that I was going to, I couldn't be the only professional woman that needed childcare, that I was going to start an agency that was handling this hire as it was as important as a CEO, because it is. It is the most important hire. You're leaving your children with somebody that you don't know. So that's actually how it started and evolved. And I mm-hmm. ran that for over 30 years. So that was wow, the Diamond wow, wow. Personnel. Judy, can I jump back just to finish a question that you asked me that yes, I don't yes, think I gave course. this to? Is what is NAN? And NAN is supportive care for families who are enduring a cancer journey. But we do this with meals. We provide catered meals, fully prepared, delivered five nights a week to families during the most difficult time. We've provided over 25,000 meals today. We have virtual programming, which is Homework Club, where this all happened during COVID because we had to figure out how we're going to support these families when we couldn't go in home during that time. And uh, so we started a Homework Club where we paired high school students who couldn't get their volunteer hours virtually to support our kids twice a week online. And it has become such a popular program that it is now a permanent program of NAN. And then we have fun in a box where, so this is a virtual opportunity for anyone who would like to support these kids. We send a box. It's so creative. They make slime and do all kinds of things. The crafts (laughs) actually have to do with coping strategies and helping kids verbalize and communicate how they're feeling. And so they get a box and four crafts a month and the virtual volunteers do the crafts with them online. And uh, we have a youth support group where kids 12 to 16 can just talk about anything. It's a really amazing group. And we have um, sent kids to camp this summer. Really proud of that. 32 kids. Yeah. That's just phenomenal. I bet some of these fun in a boxes have some cookies and candies occasionally based on your past uh, location. Definitely. We have a stocking project in the, um, the holidays where kids get a stocking that they have to decorate. It's filled with goodies and stuff, but we have volunteer opportunities for people to come in and help us because all of these kits and coping kits and all of the activities need to be assembled. So we welcome volunteers and always to come in and help us. That's so wonderful. So anybody listening who has children or grandchildren in high school and are looking for these volunteer opportunities, what a marvelous way to fulfill them. You also have a really exciting event coming up called Angels and Heroes Love You to the Moon on October 2nd. Why that title? And can you tell us what's going to be happening that day? Sure. Well, our our angels, you know, are our volunteers and our heroes are the parents. And we have expanded to parental cancer, not just moms. I should mention that. We do have 15 dads in the program now. But they are heroes because they're carrying an incredible burden of their illness while still managing their families and trying to keep it all together. So, And our funders, of course, are our heroes. And uh, so we bring together our funders and our families and our volunteers, and we have a full-day family celebration. This year it's at the Science Centre, the Ontario Science Centre. We did this last year at the zoo. It was so successful that my uh, sponsor said, forget about the big galas. This was a three-generational grandparents, parents, children, (laughs) grandchildren. Everyone had the most spectacular time. So we're trying it for another year. 
we've done really, really well so far. So we're excited. How can people get involved in this Angel and Heroes on October 2nd? What can they do? Anyone who would like to get involved can go online and visit our website, nannyangelnetwork.com, buy tickets to the event, volunteer, all kinds of ways. Give a donation if you like. Um, We have an online auction that is so awesome. There are over 150 items, including trip to Italy with business class tickets from Air Canada. We have uh, six bedroom Muskoka Cottage. We have all kinds of things that uh, you can bid on and hopefully win. So it's nanauction.ca. Please, please go on and uh, try your luck. That's really amazing. Can you tell us a little bit more about your recent expansion? So the pandemic taught us a lesson. And the lesson that it taught us was that we could do so much more virtually than in person. So we decided to expand throughout Ontario. And so a lot of our virtual programming meals, those types of things, our child life support can all be done virtually. So we are currently in Hamilton. We have been in Kingston for two years. We have expanded to Barrie, and those are the in-home services. And then virtual is really available anywhere throughout Ontario. That's fantastic. And is this part of the rebrand that is taking place with your company this October? What exactly is your rebrand? So this was a really difficult decision for us because Nanny Angel Network was a part of who I am and I came up with the name and my board was very attached to it. So it, we went through a, uh, a communications audit and we were told that we were misunderstood, that people just thought we were babysitting. So the recommendation was to lose the nanny. But we couldn't lose Nan because everybody knows us as Nan. So we went through a lot of iterations of what can we do and I'm in the kitchen I open up the cupboard and I'm looking at a box of kind bars and I said (laughs) nan kind yes nan kind so that's what we're becoming in October (laughs) after the event that's great like mankind that's fabulous but nan kind that's fantastic Audrey what do you consider to be your greatest success thus far, and I'm sure there's going to be much more because I think you're that kind of person. But thus far, what is your greatest success to date? Personally, that I've raised four incredible entrepreneurs that are all so successful beyond my success in my lifetime. I don't know if it's genetic or environmental or or what, but I think, I think that in terms of personal success, that's it. Professional success, I've never felt as satisfied as the work that I'm doing for Nan. It took me a long time to give up that attachment to the paycheck. When I transitioned my businesses to my kids, that was really difficult, but it was what I get back from the work that I do here is so much more than the paycheck. It is, it's incredible. Really amazing stuff. I also wanted to tell the listeners that I think another huge achievement was raising a million dollars this year for the Nanny Angel Network for Nan. You raised a million dollars. I read that somewhere. Right now we're at a million two. My target is a million five for this year, which is basically our budget with the meals. The meals are quite expensive. So so we're trying to be able to provide those to everybody who needs them. So uh, I think we're going to get there. I have a lot of confidence that we will be able to do that. What is something you would still love to achieve in your career, one of your top items on your dream wish list? I would like to see the Nanny Angel Network throughout North America in my lifetime. That is incredible. And if that happens or starts to happen, maybe you'll get another one of your wishes because I read that one of your dreams also is to have lunch with Oprah, which I totally (laughs) can relate to. (laughs) What would be so fascinating, I know the answer already, about having lunch with this inspirational woman like yourself who's impacted so many people in so many ways. She is so magnetic. She is so philanthropic. She has changed so many lives in so many positive ways to be that kind of a positive influence in the world. I I would just hope that some of it would come through (laughs) in some way that I could absorb some of that goodness because I think she's just such a good person. Yes. I think you've got a lot of that goodness already. What is bliss for Audrey Guth? 
being able to make the world a better place, to be able to make the kind of change and impact that we've been able to do. And knowing that kids who go through this situation without support have unresolved grief and have all kinds of psychosocial issues, eating disorders, drug addiction, criminal activity, if we're able to even be able to change that outcome for even one child, what an amazing thing. And I know we can do that. I know we can do that by the work that we're doing. Well, certainly with you at the helm, I have no doubt that you will achieve that and more. You truly are an inspirational person. And I think that you really are the perfect Finding Your Bliss guest because you're living it, you're doing it, you found it, you're following it. And even though there's not necessarily anything financial attached to it, you're giving back. You're such an outward focused human being on this planet who really is making the world a better place. So I have to say kudos to all that you do. And it's really been so delightful to meet you today. Thank you, Judy. It's been such a pleasure, really, and an honor that you selected me to be a guest. So thank you so very, very much. I'm so, so happy that we did. What is the best way for people to contact you and connect with you on social media and to get involved in all of these wonderful programs? So we are on every social media platform at, at Nanny Angels and www.nannyangelnetwork.com. Fantastic. That's the best place to start. Everyone write that one down because I think this is a very important, uh, beautiful, beautiful charity and beautiful thing that you're doing. I want to thank you again, Audrey Guth, so much for being on the show today. It's just, it's been an honor for us to have you. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. We're going to go on a short commercial break. More of Finding Your Bliss and a real star in this country, singer-songwriter Asia will be here when we come back. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio AM 740 FM 96.7. And we're joined now by the beautiful and talented singer-songwriter Asia. So let me tell you a little bit about Asia. She grew up writing and recording music in her hometown of Toronto, Canada, where she learned to love the audience connection through cathartic songwriting and live performances. And at just 18 years old, Asia's career was already off to a spectacular start as she's worked with some of the most influential names in the industry. Asia's had two North American tours and as well, she released her smash hit Red Button in 2021. So good. Titling the singer as iHeartRadio's future star and YouTube's trending artist on the rise. Get close to the fire. You always get burned, Asia warns in her latest release, Bad Game of Telephone. And I am in love with that song. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Her songs make it clear that she's sick of childish games, but her fans aren't sick of Asia's side of the story. And they keep coming back for the honest, truthful lyrics focused on growth and independence. I've known Asia since she was a young performer and she was always destined to be a star. Asia, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I can't believe that you're all grown up. You're 18 years old and you're coming to us live from LA. Yes. Wow. Can you tell us about how that whole journey evolved and in terms of just spending a year in LA? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I graduated high school a few months ago and I think it was like two weeks after. I just was like, you know what? Let's go. And obviously we're planning for it, but I had also applied to schools. And so the plan is that I'm taking a gap year right now and I'm just going to write as many songs as I can, hopefully get some good albums prepared so then I can go back and do some school and we'll see if I'll do the four years 
straight or if I'll come back and forth a little bit and take like some gaps in between. But right now we're just planning on this one year, just working as much as I possibly can. You are living the dream. And you know, I have to say from the time you were a little girl and I saw you perform, I kind of knew that you were destined for stardom. I'm not just saying that, but I think everyone kind of knew that. And I remember you, of course, as a young performer singing for Jake's Jam and Jacob Schwartz, who you did some beautiful stuff with. And I even remember you backstage at the ICRF event at Kerner Hall. And I asked you if you ever get nervous. When you were a little girl, I don't know if you remember this, and I asked you if you ever get nervous before you perform and you said, nope, never. <laughs> can, you tell, <laughs> can you tell us what you love about singing and performing? Well, I think that my favorite thing ever about being a singer is being able to perform live and on stage and getting to actually be with an audience because what I do is being able to help other people as well as help myself. And I think being able to see that live is like the best part of being able to do music. And I mean, I don't really get nervous still, which is weird because when I was younger, I like didn't even like think it kind of just all just happened. And I love just being on stage and I love the attention, just like doing it as much as I could. But I think because I love it so much, I've never really felt that nervous because even if it sucks, like at least I got to do what I really wanted to do. So yeah. I so understand that. I want to say congratulations on all of your success, but I have to tell you, and I think you know this because I wrote to you, When I first heard the song Bad Game of Telephone, I was so blown away. And Lily, my daughter, who I know you know, who's actually in New York right now, she also was just like, mom, this is like seriously unbelievable. And she's like, has always loved you. And she just was like, oh my God, you have to listen to this. And I couldn't stop listening to it. And I just think that girls of all ages, whether they're teens or girls of my age and everything in between and beyond can relate to it because... The lyrics are so honest and authentic and real. And also the tune is so catchy and fabulous. Can you tell us what was the inspiration behind Bad Game of Telephone? Well, as you said, it's very honest. So the inspiration is a specific situation that happened this year at school. I didn't have the best school experience. And I mean, I'm so happy I'm done. So I don't have to go back to that place. But I knew that if I was leaving, I had to make the most honest, specific song about a situation. Because I also think that making those kinds of songs, it just like, I don't know, it gives me more motivation. And I like to be able to hear something like I know that when they're hearing this song, they know exactly what it's about. (laughs) Basically, some girls at my school just were not nice. They did not treat me the way I would hope to be treated. And I thought that they were my friends. And because of online school, I did a lot of online school near the end, just out of choice, I think. I also was trying to juggle being able to do music and not having the best social life at school. So I think it was just easier to do online school. So because of that, everything was on the phone. And so every like literally it was a bad game of telephone. Everything was back and forth, like text messaging, calling. And it was just a mess. But that's basically as much detail as I could give. Well, what came out of it is truly spectacular. And I know the audience will hear this. And you've you've even written some other songs, Asia, as well around this whole topic. And we'll be giving everyone a sneak peek of one of those too at the end of the show. But for now, let's all have a listen to this song. I'm obsessed with it. It's so good. It's called Bad Game of Telephone. All it took was seven, seven minutes. Due to international copyright law, podcasts are unable to include music. Music can only be played on the live radio broadcast. Finding Your Bliss airs every Saturday at 1 p.m. If you'd like to hear this artist's music, you can find the link to our Finding Your Bliss SoundCloud in the episode description. Oh, my God. Asia, that so good. So, you know that I love it because you know that I was like mouthing the words because I, I love singing it. And uh, you don't want to hear me singing it, by the way, because I can't sing it like you. But I actually played it for a friend of mine yesterday very objectively. And she just said, oh my God, I can't get over her voice. She is so super talented. So wow, congrats on that song. I think that song's going to be a real hit. I really do. Asia, you're focused on releasing the kind of music that you yourself admire. And it's been written about you that you love strong and bold material. And you're inspired by such artists as Rihanna, Beyonce, Ariana Grande, and Alessia Cara. And I read in iHeartRadio's magazine that you were very featured in at a time when whisper singing is so commonplace that you really are a throwback to the powerhouse vocalists of a different era. 
And we mentioned earlier on off the top that one of your songs from 2021, Red Button, is also so phenomenal. Oh my God. So congratulations on that fantastic feature as iHeartRadio's future star and being signed on by the label Set Records. That's so awesome. Can you tell us how that all evolved? Because I know you've always been doing this and this has always been a thing, but how did you go from doing a thing as a little girl and doing all these gigs to literally being signed, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I think, well, my parents definitely, they played a big role in being able to make any of this happen just because they've really taken it as a priority and they've been really supportive. So I think that's been like a really, really big thing, like flying out to LA all the time and just getting me as like many opportunities as possible and always supporting them. I think that's been like probably one of the biggest reasons why this has actually been able to happen. I think that they knew that I really, really loved it and that this was something that I could possibly do for my life. So I think that they knew like, why don't we just give it a shot? Like we can just go for it. They definitely went for it. And I've just been, you know, almost like along for the ride because they've always been doing so much work to make sure that this has all been happening. And for me, it's just fun. I don't consider it a job. I just think it's like so much fun. Like I'm out here and I get to go to sessions all the time. And I'm like, wow, this is just fun for me. <laughs> the like, best. <laughs> it's so interesting being able to do stuff like that. But I think that I've always just wanted to do as much as I possibly can. And I think that even during COVID, well, Red Button was written on Zoom and I hadn't even met the writer before I wrote with Jimmy McCormick and he lives out here. And I was like, okay, let's just try this on Zoom. And we wrote Red Button. And then during COVID, we would get together. I think it was like once or twice a month. And we would just write as many songs as we possibly could. And then I didn't meet him until way after Red Button was released. And I was like out here for the first time, like since before COVID. And I finally got to meet him. And I was like, this is the craziest thing. Like, I didn't know how tall he was. Like, I thought that was so weird. I was like, I didn't know you were tall. There were so many like interesting things. I just, I've always wanted to do music. And I always knew that this was something that I was always going to have in my life. So my parents really just were the ones that really helped push it. When you win your Grammy Award and your Juno Awards and all that stuff, I know they're going to be in their speech for sure. I can tell. You've also been featured as the cover face of Spotify's Massive. It's a bop playlist. So cool. And you're also featured on New Music Friday in Canada and across multiple European territories. What's it been like for you to be recognized on such a large scale and by such a huge platform? Like that's Spotify and you're like on their playlist. That's really cool. I mean, it's been a little bit surreal because I've never thought about it before. I kind of just would be like, what's going on? What's that? And then after really being able to understand that like these things are not just minor achievements and that they're really major and that like this is a big deal, I realized that even though like I've been doing this for, I mean, I would say a long time because it's been the majority (laughs) of my life, but I've done this for a long time and I never realized that this could actually happen. And I always just loved it. And I always thought of it as something really fun and something I'd always just do as just because I loved it. And then realizing that I'm being acknowledged and I'm getting like achievement after achievement and slowly growing and becoming what I would hope to become in the future. I think that it's just been really crazy. Oh, so fantastic. Your lyrics are really thoughtful and actually so deep especially for someone of your age. And as I said before, the melodies of your songs are really catchy and hummable because trust me, I'm singing it all day long. (laughs) Um, But another incredible song that you're about to release is How Do You Sleep? And we have a sneak peek of it today for our listeners. And I think you heard my producer off the top just saying, oh my God, that song's also going to be a huge hit. And she knows, she's very smart. Can you tell us about the inspiration behind How Do You Sleep? So most of the music that I make is... I want to say like angry. Maybe it's like just something I do so I don't have to be upset about it because I don't like when people make me upset. It's like they get power and I'm just very stubborn like that. And (laughs) I've never made a song that talked about how I felt about something. Like I always talk about these experiences. If you listen to Bad Game of Telephone or Red Button, it's like you suck. It's all about how they did something really bad. But I've never really tried to just hone in on how I felt and how it affected me. And this, I wrote the song with Jimmy and I remember going to the session and this was also like the day after I wrote 
bad game of telephone because it was the same trip, right? It was actually a day after this whole thing happened at school and I flew out to LA and I was like, we're going to get as many songs as possible. We're just going to write as much as we can. And I was telling him about the experience and I was like, I just don't understand how someone could do something like that and just sleep at night. Like for me, I wouldn't be able to sleep. I feel horrible about what's going on. And it's just like knowing that I hurt someone, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I'd feel horrible about it and I would just want to fix it. So I was saying that and they were like, let's challenge yourself and let's try and write a song, maybe a little bit more emotional. And so the song is directed towards one person rather than like a group of people, which I also haven't really done before. And I kind of wanted to go from an angle of, I'm not necessarily angry at this point. I was just so exhausted with everything. I was like, I'm just going to go from it how I'm really feeling. And I was just tired and I was so done with everything. And I was like, I'm just going to put it all out there and see what happens. Well, what happened is pretty amazing. Guys, you're in for a real treat. Here's Asia's upcoming single, How Do You Sleep? Let's all have another listen to a song that I predict is going to be another huge hit. All the pretty girls are talking All the ugly words they say to me They don't see the tears are falling Oh, 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 on the screen People see the friends are priceless But look the other way when talk is cheap Guess I'm just another victim Oh, 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 of the week The karma comes around Oh my God, Asia, that song is fantastic. I love it. Thank you. Your music is really next level. What is your ultimate dream in this industry? Well, I think that because I love performing so much, my top dream would be to do a world tour, that stadium tour. I think that being like, I went on two tours. I was a lot younger, it was before COVID. And I've been on stage since and I've done performances recently, but I just, I want to be able to go on tour so badly and just get to feel the way that I felt. Like I remember it was exhausting. I was, I think I was 13, maybe 14, but I was so tired and like I was sleeping in a car and it was like the weirdest experience because I was also going home and I was doing school on like Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And then the Fridays and the Mondays I would try and I would do the shows and I would just go right back onto tour pretending like I didn't just go to school. And it was like the weirdest experience, but like, I loved it so much. And I just remember being so excited about growing, looking back at my first show and my last show, the tours, like completely different. You wouldn't even know it was the same person. I mean, besides the fact that it's me, but, um, I just want to be able to do that again and again and again, like just as much as I can possibly get on stage, really. My prediction is, and this is a no-brainer, you will be doing exactly that. What's next for you and what are some of the exciting things coming up? Well, How Do You Sleep is coming out October 4th, which is actually really soon. I didn't realize it was so soon. Um, I'm really excited about that one. Just, I just want everyone to hear it. And I'm really excited for people to be able to hear maybe a more personal side of me. So I'm excited for that. I mean, I live out in LA now, so as much writing as possible, I'm sure I'm going to have another bunch of releases coming out soon just got to pick the songs we love the best and yeah just keep writing being out here hopefully some more shows yeah what is bliss for asia these days hmm good question i think well i actually have a studio behind me i don't know if you can see it there's a ring light we're in the middle of setting it up i don't have a piano yet but for me just i'm not the best producer but i think that I'm now starting to learn and I'm starting to record. And like whenever I'm bored, I would watch TV and sit on the couch. But now I'm trying to like sit at the chair and start just recording, even if it's just like covers or if I have a session and we don't end up getting my vocals that day, I'll get the track and I'll try and get some vocals myself. So I think 
right now recording would be my bliss. That's so awesome. I want to ask you what advice you have for aspiring pop singers like you. I know you've studied with one of the best, Marla Joy, who's just an angel, and I know she adores you. And what is your advice for some, maybe someone who was like you, who was, you know, eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old, and is listening to this and really wants to be like Asia one day? What advice do you have for them? Well, I think that this might sound cheesy, like everybody would say it. But for me, the most important thing is that I really love it. I think that I've always been told by my parents almost every day that if one day I just decide I don't love it anymore and I'm just tired of it, I can just say it and it's over. So it's really important to just remember that if you really love it and you keep going for it, you'll always love it. Like music will always be something really important to me. But I also think that remembering, I mean, when I was younger, I was told that I was amazing and whatever. And obviously that gave me a lot of confidence, but it's important to know that you need to grow. And I think that if I let all of that get to my head, I mean, I was definitely a confident and stubborn kid when I was younger, but I think that my mom definitely kept me grounded and just remembered to remind me that you need to grow and you have a lot of growth to do and you're going to be completely different. Your voice is going to change. So many things can change and you just have to remember to stay grounded and always remember that there's always something more you can do and you can always be better. And I think that that's right. definitely been a lot of motivation for me to just keep going. Like there's always something that you can do that you can't do right now. That's great advice. And I also want to tell our listeners, Asia's always given back and performed at charity events and all kinds of events just sharing her voice and doing it in a very outward focused way in addition to everything. Also, I have to say what I've noticed about this interview is even your speaking voice. You have a fabulous voice. Like there's a tone in your voice. That's just uh, fantastic. What is the best way for people to contact you and connect with you on social media? I would probably say my TikTok because that's the app that I use the most. I mean, my Instagram definitely has the most information, like my releases and stuff like that are just like, more everyday kind of things like my stories. But if someone were to want to reach out to me or maybe start a conversation, my TikTok is like, I'm on it all the time. And I'm posting lots of like sneak peeks and lots of videos. Like just if I'm going to a session, I like a song that I made, I'll just post it on TikTok right away. So it's definitely the most like raw content that you'll get. So my social media, all of the names are just It's Asia, I-T-S-A-J-A. That's so phenomenal. I want to thank you so much, Asia, for being on the show today. It really has been delightful having you here. Will you come back again when you release your next big hit or win your first Grammy Award? Of course. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I'd love that. Thank you so much. It's really been an honor. Each week, we spotlight a singer, songwriter, or musician on the show. If you're a singer, please reach out to us. And if you're an author, artist, yoga, meditation, or mindfulness expert, or really anyone who has found and is following their bliss, we would love to hear from you. Also, what did you love about today's show? Are there any guests or topics you'd love us to feature on Finding Your Bliss? Just write to us at FYB at findingyourbliss.com. I'm also a coach. You can reach out to me at findingyourbliss.com slash coaching. And you can also go to Insight Timer, the number one free meditation app. And all you have to do is search up Judy Liebrack. And of course, you can always follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Bliss Minute. I would like to thank all of our wonderful guests, Audrey Guth and Asia, for being on the show today. Also, thank you to Mag Ruffman, Siobhan Kiley, Lauren Kaminsky, producer and audio engineer, Nayira Amani, associate editor and video editor, Sierra Brown-Rodriguez, audio producer, Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. For everyone here, I'm Judy Liebrach, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.